From Relay FM, it is connected. Episode 169. The show is brought to you this week by our sponsors, Text Expander from Smile, Timing, and Simple Contacts. My name is Stephen Hackett, and I'm joined, as always, by my co-host Federico Fatici. Hello, Federico. Yes, and we are, and we are here to celebrate the very sad, sad passing of our friend Mike Hurley. <laughs> Um. He's he's passed into <laughs> into the great vacation land in the sky. <laughs> Mike's not here this week. He's taking some time off. Mm-hmm. It's just the mm-hmm. two of us. We mm-hmm. we commented uh, a few minutes ago before we hit record that uh, it is a little after five p.m. Eastern. This is the time that we used to record the show when I had a job and I had to like leave work early to go record the show, <laughs> which is crazy in hindsight. Yeah. Uh, but now we're a morning show, but now we're back here in the afternoon. And I kind of like the afternoon. Uh, I know that probably there won't be any big news between now and the time it goes up, right? Because it's kind of after hours or getting close to the end of the day for most people. And it's uh, it's kind of nice. Like I've been looking forward to it all day. And, and now I can I can end my work day with you. It's, mm. it's very good. You're feeling good about this? I'm feeling good. Okay. I'm feeling good. Okay, so why, if you're feeling good, why is the first item of follow-up something about MacBooks? <laughs> that doesn't, like, if I don't, like, are you feeling good about this or are you feeling good in general? Because this doesn't, like, whenever I see somebody's thoughts on the MacBook Pro, it's, it's not a happy topic. It's usually, it's been sadness <laughs> most oh, recently. <sighs> so what's, what's wrong with the MacBook Pro? Oh, lots of things. Uh, yeah. So after we recorded last week, our friend Marco Arment wrote a really nice article about the late 2015 MacBook Pro, uh, the machine that he's returned to. This this came out like last Tuesday after we recorded the show, so I'm sure lots of people have seen it by now. Um, but Jason Snell brought up a lot of good points uh, in a Macworld column, kind of playing off this idea that, you know, if you don't like the 2016, 2017 MacBook Pro you kind of don't have any choices. And the way Ben Thompson has put it in the past is that Apple has a monopoly on iOS and macOS. So if Apple doesn't like macOS, if Apple doesn't make macOS hardware that you like, uh, you, you're stuck, right? Like, there's, there's no options really. Yeah. I mean, and we're, we're discounting Hackintoshes, but that's not really a, a, an option for the vast majority of people. But let's even look at mobile. Like say that you like iOS, but you don't like the iPhone hardware. Like too bad they, they they come one of the same. I think it's a very just a very interesting way of thinking about it. That if Apple doesn't give users the options they want, those users just don't have those options. Yeah, I mean it's um, especially with this new. Um, so I follow these topics sort of from the sidelines, especially when it comes to uh, pro Mac users. Uh, but I have a general idea of the things that people don't like, and I and I sort of understand um i read marco's post and there's a discussion i feel to be made about um how do you draw the line between um for example i want to keep compatibility with old um accessories old hardware as much as possible but also i want to move as a company we want to move things forward you know if i were inside of apple i would say 
if we never get rid of things, then we would still have a VGA port and a serial port <laughs> right. and all those kinds of things on a computer. So there's a balance, I think, to be met when it comes to leaving the past behind, but also imagining the future while also keeping existing users happy, especially when it's users who rely on this stuff for you know getting actual pro work done. We're talking video, we're talking 3D, all kinds of serious work that needs to happen on a Mac. And I, I honestly, I don't know what the process was like inside of Apple. I, I think that maybe Apple didn't see, because it really, I think it comes down, among many things, I would say the chief problem is the USB-C spec. Mm-hmm. That maybe Apple didn't see the kind of uh, fragmentation in USB-C that we're seeing today. And especially with the confusion over Thunder, uh, Thunderbolt 3, is that the one we compatible yeah. with USB-C? And yeah. the, um, the you know the differences between different uh, speeds and uh, you know there's really not a not a great um or non-expensive hub for multiple USB-C ports so there's all kinds of confusion about USB-C and I'm not sure if Apple saw that coming or not but I'm inclined to say that maybe they they assumed things were going to be easier to understand and to sell and to buy I don't know yeah it it's it's hard to to know, I think, when the right time comes along mm. to drop something, right? Like we we laugh now, like oh, VGA ports would be ridiculous, but maybe six years ago, maybe that would have been different math, and and maybe I think one thing Marco says is uh, that maybe they were a little too aggressive with Thunderbolt three and USB C, and I think you bring up good points of confusion, like. The port looks the same on the MacBook and the MacBook Pro, but it does different things on the MacBook because it doesn't have the Thunderbolt. Like, it's just very messy, and I think all that would be fine if the the rest of the hardware wasn't as questionable mm. as it is. But you get the keyboard, and like, is the touch bar useful? And I think all together, these things sort of add up to the sort of the frustration that Marco feels that I certainly feel. I mean, I sold mine as well, and uh, I just I really was thinking about that. Uh, and I saw Jason's piece and just really wanted to bring it up. This idea that like, if Apple says no to something, then that's the answer, right? Like, it's kind of like a parent, right? Like, mm, if mm. if this is really terrible parenting, but if you tell your kid the answer is because you said so, like, that's kind of how it feels that, mm. with Apple sometimes. Like, why well, can't I have this? And Apple's like, because mm. we said you can't. Like, there's no reason. Um, so anyways, hopefully, I hope this wraps up the MacBook Pro conversation. Yeah. I'm still using oh, a 2012. On. So we'll see. Oh, uh-oh. Let you, me, let me propose let me propose this thought experiment to you. Okay. I'm so ready. Do you do you think that Marco's Marco's argument here with you the USB, especially with the USB ports and USB C mm-hmm. on iOS, would it be comparable to Apple saying with this new iPad, you no, you can no longer connect to Bluetooth keyboards? You can only use the smart connector. There's only two options right now, but smart connector is great. There's a lot more accessories coming. Uh, it's much, much better than Bluetooth, but now you can only use the smart connector. Do you, do you think that, that's, a, that's a good equivalency between the, the problems happening on the Mac? It's probably as good as a... Uh, parallel as you can get on iOS, hmm. right? Like, it, I, I think would it's a little be bit, upset. You know, <laughs> I oh yeah, would be really no doubt. upset. <laughs> like, yeah, people would freak out. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I, they're obviously very different platforms, but mm-hmm. yeah, it's, I think it's it's something that you're trading 
a lot of flexibility and, and optionality around to something that is simpler on the mm-hmm. surface, but, you know, is, is problematic in its, in its own ways. So, yeah, I mean, absolutely. I think, I think anytime someone is used to a feature or something in a platform and it goes away, there's, there's trouble. It just seems that with this MacBook Pro, there was a, a lot of that sort of coalesced into something bigger that, that and I think Apple sort of lost control of that narrative a little bit. So, so what is next? So, uh, Sonos uh, One users. company. <laughs> Sonos, still in business. Uh, as of today, if you have a Sonos product with the Echo Voice Assistant built in, you can now use that Echo Voice Assistant to control Spotify, which is great. Remember when this oh. came out, uh, you can use your voice to control Spotify. You can only use the app, and the app's a little hit or miss. Uh, and now you can use your voice, which is awesome. I think this will make this product way more attractive to people now that we're sort of in the holiday buying season. They had originally said this would be done by the end of the year, but they got it done this week, which is uh, awesome. I'm glad to see this. And uh, so, yeah, if you have a Sonos One or another Sonos device that has this, um, you know, make sure it's up to date. And now I think it's going to become a lot more useful if you're a Spotify user. So when I saw this um, on The Verge today, I asked uh, John uh, to see if those... um Amazon Echo sort of virtual clients on the iPhone. You know, there's apps like uh, Astra, for example, that sort of le- let you um, use Amazon Echo skills on your iPhone. Um, because all of these um, apps and also third-party hardware uh, accessories, they all use the same Amazon Echo web platform they all they all talk to the same apis i think so i asked john can you can you chat because i was writing and i didn't have astra on my iphone also my iphone was running a battery test so i couldn't couldn't even install the app um but he tested astra and spotify playback is still not available so later i tried with another um Amazon Echo virtual client on my iPad mm-hmm. it's called uh, um, j echo echo j something um and it also doesn't work. It says Spotify playback is not supported. So I wonder if this is this change f- just for Sonos because they cut some kind of deal, or does it go back to what we discussed last week? Because we saw on the on the announcement posts of multiple accessories, I think the Garmin and I think also the the, the Blast, the speakers, that Spotify support would be coming later. So is this a, like a, a like a, an API change for everyone or is it just for Sonos right now? This is not clear at this point, but it would be incredible to have Spotify, native Spotify playback across the entire Amazon Echo ecosystem of services and products. That would be really nice. Hmm. Yeah, it. there definitely seems to be some fragmentation in what this voice assistant can do on the different devices that it's embedded in. Like, I, I, don't, I don't know. I kind of assume that Sonos and Spotify and Amazon like came together and figured out some sort of deal for this. And I'm sure that there's, there's money or something changing hands, but... You know, fragmentation is one thing in software where you can see it or in hardware where you can see it, but we even see it with Siri. When a voice assistant is fragmented, it's a little more confusing and I think ultimately more frustrating that I can ask Siri on, on one device to do something and it can't do it on another uh, or it does it differently uh, because there's not a clear reason, right? Like it makes sense that my... Uh, you know, my iPhone may or may not be able to do the same sorts of things that my iPad can do because the hardware and software is different. But if voice assistant is like, just like 
magic in the air, right? Like it, I can't, I don't think about it in terms of software or hardware, it's just a service. And so to have that work one way on this device from this company and work another way from this device under these circumstances, like that's sort of weird. And if you have the same voices in a bunch of different devices around your house, I can see that being really frustrating at the end of the day. Yeah. I, I know for like, for my usage, uh, having to sort of switch modes, um, for Spotify playback uh, on my actual Echo device and on compatible Echo hardware and software, that was really annoying. And just having the the, the virtual cutoff by Amazon saying, nope, you cannot do this on this third-party app or uh, speaker. And well, that, that was annoying. So I'm happy that they figured out a way to make it work with the Sonos, but hopefully it's a bigger change that applies to all kinds of integrations. Yeah. Uh, so we're going to end our follow-up with a uh, what has become a little bit of a custom. I have two mm-hmm. questions for you. Mm-hmm. Okay. Does Google Docs for iOS have drag and drop? Yes. No. No, it, do- it does not. It <laughs> I does was like, not. oh, wait, what? <laughs> we got to talk about it this. It does not. <laughs> <laughs> and does it support the iPhone 10 screen resolution? Nope. Okay. Yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> this concludes follow-up. <laughs> it's a very <laughs> sad a, note. <laughs> I, was, I was in such a good mood when we started. But I can be in a good mood again, Federico, because I want to tell you about our first sponsor, our friends at Smile Text Expander it lets you communicate smarter. When you use Text Expander, you can recall your best and most frequently used words and phrases by just creating a, sh- a keyboard shortcut and letting Text Expander do the work. And Text Expander is great for teams. Say that you have uh, a marketing message you want to add to your company's email signature. Uh, but if you launch a new product or service, you want it to update for everybody. Now you don't have to like write a memo and send it out and ask people to change it. With Text Expander, you can just update the shared snippet and it's available instantly to everyone on your team on all their devices. No one had to do anything or go out of the way to get up to date. It just worked. And that is the magic of shared snippets and just one example of what your team can do to communicate smarter with Text Expander. Text Expander is customizable with options to hide or show the app in your menu bar or dock if you're using the Mac. It has a handy search feature so you can go in and find your snippets uh, from anywhere you type on the Mac and the PC. And you can even create Text Expander snippets that acts as a calculator thanks to their integration with JavaScript. I've used Text Expander for years. Before I was even podcasting, I was using Text Expander. I refuse to type anything more than four or five times, and Text Expander makes sure that I can work quickly and I can have a level of efficiency that I don't have without it. It's one of those utilities that if it's not on my Mac, my Mac feels broken. So if you or your team spent any amount of your day typing, you need to check out Text Expander. Visit textexpander.com slash podcast for 20% off your first year. Just tell them you heard about them on this show, Connected. That's textexpander.com slash podcast for 20% off your first year when you tell them that you came from this show. We thank Text Expander for their support of this show and Relay FM. We had uh, some, some mini topics this week, if you will. Uh, and the first is from uh, a listener, uh, Thomas, he wrote, he wrote in uh, about Spotify that you can only download 3,333 songs per device. So if you pay for premium, you can download files for offline play. And you can only do this up on three devices for a total of 9,999 download songs total. You cannot combine these allotments. So for Thomas, he says he finds himself stuck at the edge. Anytime he wants to add new music, Spotify requires him to remove something old 
before I can download it. In 2017, that feels like a deal breaker. I have a 256 gig iPhone, but cannot use the storage because Spotify won't let me. So uh, I read this. This is uh, stupid, basically. It's real <laughs> dumb. Uh, so I read this wow. and I thought, my first thought was Thomas. Thomas, you misunderstand. Clearly, you're just confused. Uh, so I did some homework. There'll be a link in the show notes. <laughs> this is an actual limitation of Spotify. They don't really, anywhere I can find on their website or in their support forums, explain why it is a limitation. And they don't seem to really care to ever lift it. Uh, it gets brought up from time to time in their customer support forums. And basically, the answer is sort of a shruggy emoticon guy. It's quite strange. Uh, why? Like, it doesn't doesn't make any sense. Why you shouldn't? Like, it's not like you're you're storing physical bits on a CD. You're you're saving songs into virtual library somewhere in the sky. It doesn't make any sense to. Have I don't a, know. Why this number? Why? I don't know. <sighs> I don't know. So you can have more than this in your library, but if you go to download them. That's it. So, you know, maybe it's really old from when people had 16 gig iPhones and they didn't want to fill up people's phones. But now, like you said, you got 256, 64 gig, 128 gig. Like, it seems like something old that they need to to revisit. Um, it was really surprising to me. Uh, I'm really, I'm really sorry for Thomas. This is a, uh, I, it's a bummer. I tot- yeah, I totally understand why. Maybe one, I don't know if he wants to use Apple Music, but I totally get it. Like, this doesn't make any sense, especially now that we have these devices with a lot of local storage. Uh, I mean, I can, I can store my entire photo library on my iPhone, and I still have plenty of room to spare for music and games. So, yeah, this doesn't make any sense. We have a couple topics, and. Um Basically, the bullet points are Stephen is broken, and the next one is Federico is broken. Uh, mm. so, <laughs> so I had this, this tweet uh, over the weekend. Uh, I have noticed on my iPhone 10, if I keep an eye on the upper left-hand corner when I launch an app, the time will be wrong. So say that I, that I launched Instapaper. Instapaper's time in the little left ear may say 12.08 or 12.10, and then after a second, after the app resumes, the clock goes back to the correct time. Now I have been running the 11.2 public beta. Uh, so I was r- willing to write that off, but like, if you look at the replies of this tweet and they never end, it's like, I'm not on the beta. I see it. I am on the beta. I see it. I've never seen this before. I see it all the time. <laughs> That's I saw the it until I restarted report. That's the best kind. I'm on the beta. I'm not on the beta. <laughs> Weird. Mine doesn't do that. Okay. Like <laughs> I didn't make it up. So I don't know what's happening here. I'm still on the beta. I have not seen it. You know, consistently, I saw it on the 18th. I think I saw it again maybe yesterday for a second. But something is happening where the time, you know, when an app resumes, it can resume, I believe, with a screenshot, right? Is that how it works? It it, it basically comes yeah, back basically. up and then the interface comes to life and then it kind of fades in. And for some reason, the system is showing the time from the screenshot or from the, the, the app that's been uh, put in the background as opposed to the system time, you know. So I, I don't really know what's happening. Uh, but it, it's something that once you see it, like if you ever notice it on your phone, uh, it cannot be unseen. Like uh, once I noticed it the first time, I was like, oh, no, I'm ruined. Right. Because like now you're always looking for it. Uh, you know, maybe it's some like even now in the chat room, I have the same bug on the iPhone 6. You know, like it, I don't know what's going on. Maybe it's a low memory situation uh where the system can't keep up who knows but it's just one of those little little things that uh i once i started seeing it i was like oh look at that that's not that's not the way it's supposed mm. to work mm. um, have, you, um, have you seen this 
I'm happy that I, w- I have never seen this and I don't want to look because I feel like if I see it just once, I'm going to see it forever. Yeah. So I'm going to keep my eyes off the top left corner because I really <laughs> don't want to. It's, it's like, yeah, remember, I don't know if it's still going on, but uh, I think it was on the iPad when you went back to the home screen. Uh, you could see the corner radius of a folder, oh, or maybe app gosh. icons, that was awful. Uh, like change, like the, the sort of the curve of the icon. That was awful because you saw it once, and then every single time you click the home button to go back to the home screen, you were you were paying attention to the corner radius of icons. So. Mm-hmm. I don't. I don't want to enter the situation where uh, I'm. I'm looking at. I'm using apps on my iPhone and I'm looking at the time every single time. I don't want to do that. I'm. I'm seeing. I'm unlocking my phone. I want to see if the folders still do that. No, they seem to fix that. But yeah, I remember. I remember when that was a thing. And like, anytime you open a folder, you just like you stare into the middle, right? You just very carefully avoided the corners. Um, yeah, at the end of the day, right? It's not a big deal it's not an important bug but it's definitely something that uh that it is um it, you know forever whatever reason it's inconsistent but it's it's definitely there just uh just hanging out so i don't know i just had a real moment the other night when i saw this on my phone and i was like what is this like who are you um but you have a story and it's sadder than my story i think so you you had this tweet i want to set this up you had a tweet on the 19th it's a picture of an iphone 10 Space gray, because you bought the wrong color. No, I did not. The the back's all smashed in. You got a you got a, two big cracks across the back of your new phone. Yes, yes. So what ha- uh, what happened? Well, the the funny part of all of this is that that day I already had two different cases for my iPhone ten, but none of them was on my iPhone ten. So. I I tried to convince myself that I that I could use the iPhone 10 without a case because I think it looks much much and feels much much better uh, without a case. And I thought, you know, I you know, I'm, I'm I tend to be a clumsy person when it comes to taking care of electronics, and also I have two very not quiet puppies that want to play a lot but it's fine i can totally take care of the iphone 10 so three days ago i wake up there's the iphone 10 on my nightstand the dogs are already up and running inside the house and the bedroom door is open one of them ginger she comes running uh she bumps into the nightstand the iphone because it's uh, made of glass and I have one of those IKEA, you know, very basic um, metal uh, white nightstands. The iPhone just glides over the nightstand mm-hmm. and falls on the ground. It it's, uh-huh. it was not a high drop. It was like right. forty to fifty centimeters, like just a nightstand, like you know, just a regular. Yeah, it's, it's a re- really regular nightstand. Um, <laughs> but uh, I guess it just fell on the wrong angle, but. I pick it up, I look at the screen. Because my first concern was, oh my God, the screen. Right. I look at the screen and it's fine. So Sylvia, she's looking at me with a sort of a terror in her eyes. She's oh, like, oh is it, yeah. Is it broken? Because she can see the back of the phone and no, you no, can't. No, she, she, no, she thought it was, the, it was the, the front. So I was like, oh no, the front is okay. She's like, oh yes. I turn it over and I'm like, nope, the back is broken. She's like, mm. no. 
<laughs> so I see those uh, two cracks. Um, so you could see it's sort of the starting point. This is why we should have Drang um, look at all of our broken electronics to sort of do a do a diagnosis of what happened. Uh, yeah. But th I think the iPhone, the point of impact was the um, was the, the the bottom angle, the bottom corner of the frame. Mm -hmm. um, and from that point, the glass sort of snapped, and you see those two cracks um, running from the edge up, uh, basically to the middle of the glass, uh, the, the the back. Uh, so I was really upset, and for the first few minutes, I was really upset with the dog. But then I realized, you know, the dog is just playing. It's my fault that I have one the iPhone on my nightstand without n basically no grip. But also, I'm I'm stupid because I thought I was gonna be able to use an iPhone 10, which is made of glass. And that I, of all people, that I basically mm. drop something every single day, that <laughs> I was going to be able to use this without a case. So um, thankfully, as we talked before on the show, the day that I got my iPhone 10, like 10 minutes later, I was on Apple's website buying Apple Care. Uh, yeah. Because I thought, you know, this is going to come in handy because it's it's going to happen to me. I was hoping it was going to happen later, but... Uh, <laughs> he made it like two weeks. After <laughs> uh, two weeks. So this is where it gets fun, finally. Um, so I make an appointment for the Genius Bar the day after. So I went in yesterday, go to the Genius Bar, and I, you know, there's a there's a... There's a person, uh, you go to the person first and then the person says, okay, go wait there. Uh, mm -hmm. We're going we're gonna to have a guy for you. Um, so I go to the person, I'm like, um, I have a, a broken iPhone, but he doesn't, he doesn't ask any more questions. It's like, okay, just wait there. So the lady, uh, the, the Genius Bar uh, lady comes over and says, hi, uh, so like, I have this broken iPhone. She looks at the back. She's like, oh, it's an iPhone 8. Oh, that's too bad. I'm like, um, no, actually, she turns it over. She's like, you broke an iPhone 10? <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. It's like you let so, her down personally. <laughs> so I could see the same, the same fear in her eyes that Sylvia had, but for a different reason. She looks up, like she's looking, at, she has her eyes down, looking at the phone that she looks up and she's like, and I look at her and I know, and I, so I, and I go, I have Apple care. And she's like, oh, <laughs> thank you so much. She's like, I was gonna, she tells me, I was gonna be upset for you if you didn't have Apple care. Um, yeah. And basically what happens is that the, um, a small circle of a Genius Bar employees forms around me and my iPhone 10 because they tell me it's the first broken iPhone 10 they have seen at the Apple Store in Rome at this mm. one you know this one of the three Apple stores mm. I, I was the first person who broke an iPhone 10 in Rome um, congratulations I, it, thank you that's a, that's one of my favorite uh, achievements um you, that should be in your Twitter bio. Twitter bio. <laughs> uh, so everybody, so basically Writer, everybody, podcaster, but, first person to break an iPhone ten in room. So every so there's like five to six people um, hunching over 
my iPhone 10. Mm-hmm. Everybody's inspecting the way that it broke. And, and they're calling more people, right? So I'm just standing there. I have no problem. I'm sitting. I'm chilling at the Genius Bar. And everybody's like, hey, come look at the... There's a broken iPhone 10. It's like this big event. And I'll say it was yeah. like 8 p.m. So the, the store was not really crowded. Um, and so everybody's first reaction is, do you have Apple Care? And so I'm like, yes, yes, I have Apple Care, by the way. Um, so they were super nice. I was expecting to. Uh, so they they start telling me about like they really struggle to convince people to get Apple Care, um, mm. and and so we we start talking about like why is it that people spend you know twelve hundred or a thousand uh, euros on a phone and they don't get the extra a hundred and fifty or two hundred for Apple Care, yeah. and the lady brought up an interesting point that. Especially in Italy, where I, w- I would say the majority of people they tend to buy an iPhone, a new iPhone unlocked, so they pay full price up front. Mm-hmm. Um, they save the exact amount of money to get an I- a new iPhone for months, and so when they go to the Apple Store and they've been saving, you know, those hundred euros for the previous ten months, they don't want to. Sp- they cannot spend an extra to get Apple Care, mm-hmm. but later. When something bad happens, such as such as you know you have a broken glass back on the iPhone, uh, they regret it, and they always and the lady tells me they always go like, oh, I wish I had Apple Care, and in this specific instance of the iPhone 10, the uh, when you as you brought up on your site, Stephen, when you the Apple Care is more expensive for the iPhone 10, um, but also the problem is that if you break the back. It's not a to get a uh, the iPhone repaired. It's not a repair. You actually get a new unit uh, yeah. because the as also the the Apple employees confirmed. It's not like the iPhone four where you just remove the glass panel. It's uh, there's a circuits and the battery stuff going on in there. So you actually need to get a new unit. You actually need to exchange it. And I was expecting to wait four to five days. But turns out they had uh, Genius Bar stock. Uh, they have mm-hmm. a separate stock at the Apple Store, right. and they had iPhone 10 units and my unit. You know, the Space Gray 256 gig model was available, so I get a new iPhone right away. And they were super nice. Everybody was looking at the iPhone 10 because they'd never seen a broken iPhone 10 before. Mm. Uh, it was it was surprising, surprisingly smooth uh, experience uh, yeah. unlike the back of the iPhone which was super super weird to touch because I could feel the broken glass yeah hmm so, Is it, you made their day <laughs> uh, they, they it must have been a long day because everybody was just chilling looking at the broken iPhone 10 yeah. uh, now of course I have a silicone case on That's I good. considered the leather one but I kind of I pref- I think I preferred the grip of the the silicone one even if I this is small tangent I don't I, I I'm not sure I necessarily prefer the new texture of the iPhone 10 silicone case Silvia is it, still is using it, it, it is different Silvia is still using a uh, silicone case on her iPhone 7 and I I think the the iPhone 10 one is uh, it's like a softer material, softer mm, texture. Interesting. I'm not sure I prefer that. So this is one of the things I feel uh, 5 12 pixels would be the perfect side to cover this stuff, the texture of the silicon case. <laughs> That's same up my alley. I'm, I'm I'm just I'm just giving you ideas. I'm your yeah. idea, man. I appreciate you know? that. Mhm. Yeah, well, I'm glad I'm glad you did Apple Care Plus because I think yeah. it's a good point that if you break the back of this phone 
uh, you're getting a new a new device because it's all built into that back case. If you look at like take apart stuff like I fix it their videos, everything mm-hmm. is basically like just glued into that into that yeah. that back panel. So Yeah. Oh, and, and by the way, um it would have cost um 599 euros. So basically 600 Ooh. euros. I paid 99 euros so i saved 500 i got a bunch of people on twitter saying well actually you didn't save 500 euros because you pay for apple care and i i uh, well of course this is not how insurance works and also you, you get another accidental damage uh, cover but anyway um uh there, there were a couple of people who I, i'm not sure why why they sent me these but because um, it's the internet federico it's it's twitter uh, but I, I thought it was uh, it was amusing and also kind of kind of interesting they said well now you uh you only have one drop left but like and and then even apple care won't cover you anymore it's like yeah okay <laughs> i get I mean, it i mean you made I it two weeks so you know that's not a completely unreasonable thing to to bring up maybe <laughs> i don't know <sighs> so i have not so my, my phone is unbroken uh, I'm I'm using it caseless, but I have picked up a couple of scratches in the glass. Um, I've got one that's like an inch long on the front, and I think what it is. So, uh, if you're wearing jeans right now, and you can do this safely, don't do it if you're driving. Most jeans, like nice jeans, have a little brass like standoff above the pocket, right where like this the tiny pocket goes. And I think what it is, I think the phone is like rubbing on that little piece of brass or whatever it is uh, on my jeans when I pocket and unpocket the phone. And I, I think it's scratched the display. Um, so I have, you know, it, it's not deep. I can't really feel it. But if I am in, you know, direct light or, or the lights at the right angle, or if I'm using a, a dark mode app, I can see it, mm. which is really frustrating. Uh, I don't think I ever scratched any previous phones display like this, especially so quickly. Um, so I got a scratch. I, I said that on Twitter the other day. So people in the chat room now are like, yeah, I've got it too. So I don't know what the deal is with that. It's a bummer, um, but it is unbroken. And I'm using it caseless. And and already, what's interesting is the stainless steel, because I did the silver, is already kind of um, dinged up a little bit. And uh, there's no big dings or anything out of it, but it's not as shiny as it was. You know, stainless steel sort of uh, weathers. And I like the way stainless steel looks as it ages. Um, but the scratch, it makes me sad every time I see it. But it's not shattered. So you've made me feel better really than uh mm-hmm. than I did previously so mm-hmm. i'm sorry about your phone um, yeah but this was a actually it was an opportunity to um to kind of rethink my my uh, nightstand and bedroom situation mm-hmm. uh in the sense that i i need to avoid uh the problem with the dogs um yeah. sort of bumping into the nightstand and and yeah. breaking things so uh what i'm doing is in addition to the in addition to the silicon case um I want to I want to ins- install uh, like a new shelf in my bedroom so I can because my nightstand can get messy you know with I have the small iPad Pro sometimes when I'm working late I also put the big iPad Pro on top of that so I and I feel like having you know a, a mess on the nightstand makes it easier for things to fall on the floor so I want to put on a new shelf so I can I can maybe also like have a charger that goes on the shelf so i can put the ipad there sort of as a tiny as a tiny ipad uh, bunk bed if you will um but also um i got the 
I put the, the bulking boost up, the wireless charging mat. I put that in the living room. And I bought the Samsung um, um, stand for wireless charging. It's yeah. not a, like, a, like an actual stand. It's not, it hasn't got the same angle of a, like an elevation dock, for example, or a material dock. It's a 50-degree angle. So it kind of stands upright. Um, but I prefer the way that you put the iPhone down vertically. Uh, it's more... It feels more secure to me, and the rubber on the on the stand it it grips better than the Belkin mm. one. So um, I have this white uh, Samsung cheese uh, stand on my white nightstand, which is really nice. It doesn't support um, seven point five watt charging, but it's, it's it's all right. I just yeah, I mean overnight it's not a big deal. Overnight it's not a big deal. So uh, you know, uh, cleaner and uh, uh, nightstand less less. Uh, iPad, fewer iPads, no, no mess with the cables. Um, the last part would be uh, because I have a, I have a tendency to fall asleep while either listening to Death Cab for Cutie or um, Brain FM audio. You know, like the, the machine learning audio app that I yeah. use. Yeah, they're um, machine learning you, definitely. <laughs> so um, I tend to fall asleep with my with my uh, headphones on. Not actual headphones, usually, uh, usually AirPods. But of course, with the dogs being able to move inside the bedroom, I don't want to be in the situation where one day I wake up and there's one missing AirPod, and then it would later come out from you know where so i don't want to be in that situation and i'm thinking maybe i shouldn't fall asleep with the airpods on i would maybe consider the apple beats x which are w1 powered uh in-ear headphones um they don't need to be connected to the iphone so the iphone can stay on the charging stand yeah little little bunk bed yeah, the AirPods stay in the case, and I'm just falling asleep with this cord around my neck, which could be dangerous. <laughs> could be dangerous. It sounded so good until you said that. <laughs> could be dangerous, but honestly, I've done that for like ten years. I've ne- I mean, I've, I'm, if I'm still doing a podcast, it's because I didn't die by know, suff- suffocating with headphones. So that could be an idea. That could be an idea. You know, instead of uh, having the dogs eat my AirPods, I could have the headphones killing me. That seems like a fair compromise. Yeah, falling asleep with the AirPods, the AirPods, the wireless ones, are is definitely like hit or miss. Like it's nice that you don't have a cable, right. but it you know if you fall asleep and then you gotta like find them in the bed or under the bed or if dog eats mm-hmm. them or in my case a child eats them, like it, it's. I haven't found them ideal for that. Um, the few times I've tried it, but uh, yeah, I think the Beats X could work. You know, uh, my wife has a pair; she really likes them. I should ask. I don't know if she's fallen asleep with the men. I should ask her if she has. But um, I, I know there's a lot of convenience with having the, the wire connecting them. Like, mm-hmm. you know, if you need to take them off real quickly, you don't have to, like shove them in the pocket if you don't have the case because you can right. just like leave them around your neck and stuff. So they're a little more practical, I think, than the AirPods in some situations. Right. Yeah, so we'll see. We'll see. We'll, we'll see what I get. We'll, see. we'll keep us posted on the nightstand uh, if you build a shelf. I uh, want to see a picture. Yeah, so. I will. Okay. So I want to talk just a little bit about this um, this idea of like forced updating software. And so this came up um, 
Apple starting this past week is pushing Mac users to upgrade to Mac OS High Sierra. So if you're on Sierra or uh, before and you can run High Sierra, your machine is compatible, you will see a little push notification that says, hey, upgrade to Mac OS High Sierra. And it has two buttons, install and details. And this notification is triggered after macOS has downloaded High Sierra, which is 5.1 gigabytes, in the background. And so the Mac App Store is just downloading High Sierra without telling anybody. And then once the installer is like on your drive, then you get this little notification. So you hit install and it just starts installing. This is not new. Uh, Apple did this, has done this at least one year. Uh, they did it with Sierra. They may have done it before that. I couldn't, I couldn't verify that. I didn't remember. Um, but I kind of feel... I feel conflicted about this, and I want to see what you think, especially from the perspective of how iOS handles it. The the idea that that Apple wants its users on the latest version of its operating systems, I totally, like, I'm not being sarcastic, I totally understand. It's good for Apple, it's most of the time good for consumers, and it's good for third-party developers, right? And Apple likes to get on stage and say, look, 60% of our users are on the newest version of iOS or macOS and Android, LOL. Uh, Windows, LOL. Um, but it's it's more it's important for more than just those marketing reasons. Uh, I get that. Like I totally I totally get it. I actually agree with most of that. That I think it is best for consumers most of the time. It's good for Apple. It's good for third party developers to know where their where their targets are. But at the same time, I feel like it's a that's a big deal on the Mac and. Um, and with High Sierra in particular, it seems like a minor upgrade, but High Sierra is sort of the end of the line for older versions of Microsoft Office, older versions of Adobe Creative Suite that used to run in Sierra no longer run on High Sierra. Uh, I've actually dealt with some people like who have installed High Sierra and now their stuff's broken as they didn't. It's on them like they should have read and checked, but you know, um, when you see a push notification from your Mac, you you tend to trust it. And I, I just don't know if, if an OS update is the right, you know, if doing it this way is the right way, is the right way to do it or not. Um, it feels a little heavy handed. I really don't mm. like that the OS is downloaded in the background. Yeah. That's a lot of data. Uh, mm. Some people have caps on their data. Some people have, now it does check for available disk space. It's not going to fill your hard drive up. If you've got eight gigs free, it's not going to download it or anything, but I would rather when the user hits install, then that trigger the download. And, but that's a worse user experience, so Apple doesn't do that. Um, so I'm real conflicted about this, and I was very curious. So I was talking to somebody on Twitter today. He read this article I wrote and and said, "Hey, you know, I'm on an iPhone and I'm still on iOS 10. Some app that they want uh, won't run on 11, and so they're staying on 10 for now, You're giving the developer the opportunity to update the app." Uh, I don't think they ever will, but that's, that's beside the point. And they're getting bugged daily now to upgrade to iOS 11. And I just wonder how you think about this. Like on the Mac, it's a really big deal to upgrade your OS. Do you feel like on an iPad or iPhone, it's it's safer somehow? Or like mm. people are more willing to do it than on the Mac? What, what do you think? I think actually lately people are less willing to do 
to do it on uh, on iOS as well. And if you take a look at the at the install base stats for iOS 11, it's been slower than iOS 10 because. I, it, it feels like every year the first version that Apple launches to the public, it has um, severe battery life issues that Apple just couldn't find during the beta stage or yeah. that somehow got worse at the at the GM seed. Yeah. Um, and I know a lot of people, that, including my mom, that wait for uh, major iOS, uh, iOS updates until the next version. This usually happens that these people, they text me and they mm-hmm. ask me every few weeks, is it safe to update now? And usually when Apple releases the new emoji, actually, you know, I don't think it's a coincidence that new emoji are now coming out a month to a month and a half after the main version of a new iOS. It's almost a way for Apple to time the... Um, the fixing of many of these problems with the it's sort of like the the stick and the carrot, but the emoji version uh, mm. that you know we're, we fix some bugs and here we we apologize have some emoji. Um, yeah, I don't think that's a coincidence. And and usually my friends when they see the new emoji, then they just they just go okay now I need to update. Fine, fine, I'll give in. I but, want to send the dinosaur. But, People are surprisingly skilled at ignoring the badge on the <laughs> on settings. Yeah, uh, and so I think it's a I, I, I you know on the Mac I also feel like there's maybe less of an expectation of the OS is downloading stuff in the background like multiple gigs of software update like mm-hmm. it's it's unusual maybe because we've been conditioned um, by especially since the what was that iOS four that they introduced the you know software update you, I think you were back in the day you you had to do it via iTunes you did and, yeah and, and they then, added over the air. Oh. They add it over the air. <laughs> that feels like a lifetime ago. Can you, I can't even remember. We're talking like... Scott Forsell on stage introducing uh, PC Free as yeah. a feature of iOS oh, 4, iOS 5? 5, yeah. iOS 5. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, uh, we over the years, we've been conditioned and we've been sort of eased into the idea of my iPhone overnight is doing stuff. But mm-hmm. my Mac, it's not on my, you know, it's usually not on my nightstand. It's not constantly plugged in. There's less of a, of this idea of my MacBook is downloading multiple gigs worth of data in the background. Yeah. So it is strange. It is strange that they're doing this now. I had heard some, um, some whispers about Apple being more aggressive with software updates, getting people to upgrade. I kind of was thinking, okay, if I'm on 10.13 and 10.13.1 comes out on the Mac, then I'll get moved to it automatically after six weeks or something. But I don't know if that's true. That was sort of my assumption in hearing that whisper. But there's something to this that just doesn't sit sit right with me. And I, I wish, you know, to, to back up a little bit, I wish that on both the Mac and iOS, Apple would take the opportunity for a big software update, even if it costs them some update time, right? Even if it said, uh, you know, even if people saw this and, and waited until they had their stuff sorted out, but hey, you know, it's a big OS update. Um, hey, do you know about iCloud backup? Like, hey, go check the setting, make sure you're backed up or on the Mac. Hey, uh, do you know about Time Machine? Like, you know, it's easy to set up. Like just because if things go wrong, this is when they when they will go, go wrong, right? If you have a big OS update, it's it's more complicated than a than a you know smaller patch and I just wish Apple would educate their customers a little bit more about this. Um, I don't think they will. It's been this way for a thousand years, but 
it's it's something that it just uh I don't know. So I felt weird when I when I saw this pop up and um you know, I think the iOS badge is, you know, I think I think that the way they handle an iOS and the Mac is is very similar. So anyways, uh I'm gonna tell you about our second sponsor and then we're gonna talk about the home pod because All right. All it's right. late. It's late pod. Our episode of Connected This Week is brought to you by Timing, the automatic time tracker for Mac. This could have saved the HomePod team because time is your <laughs> most precious resource and you need to know how you're spending it. Are you finishing the HomePod or are you playing games? Manual time tracking interrupts your workflow and it's easy to lose track of where you are. Timing is different because it automatically intelligently tracks how you spent your time on your Mac. It even helps you be more productive by analyzing when you're wasting the most time. And to save you time, it comes with plenty of automation features such as rules for automatic categorization. So if it sees that I'm in logic, I can tell it, hey, if I'm in logic, I am working on a podcast. You know, I'm not doing business administration. I'm not blogging. It can be smart about the apps I use and the tasks I want to attach to them. It can even ask you what you did when you returned to your Mac so you never forget to track a meeting or that long work session on the iPad. And timing is available on SetApp, the service that gives you access to 100 Mac apps for just 10 bucks a month. Check out the timing website for more details on that. Timing has this great thing I really like that in the reports tab, it gives you a productivity score based on what it's tracking to give you a sense of how you're performing at any given time compared to your usual habits. So if you if you are using timing and all of a sudden you have a, 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 a Tuesday or something that's really off from the other Tuesdays, it can help you draw that out and and you can help and see see what's going on and it uses emojis in that box so you know it's awesome. Download the 14-day free trial today by heading to timingapp.com/connected and save 10% off when you purchase. Timing. Stop worrying about time and focus on doing your best work instead. I'd like to thank Timing for the support of this show and Relay FM. So, tell me about the HomePod. Where, where is it? Uh, it's uh, not coming this year anymore and I yeah he called this like last week the HomePod home is supposed to be shipping like next month it's not I don't think it's gonna I, I oh think, you don't think it's gonna no I think 2018 oh. uh, there's no way they miss Christmas he but, said no but it's too late for, for Christmas future follow up December's too late for Christmas like, like if you want to if you want to do the holiday season, December's not the time to release a product. I mean, it's not November, but it's a hell of a lot better than January. I think they'll I think they'll make it. But um, <laughs> December twenty nine, <laughs> they'll make it. Yeah, yeah. This is too bad. You know, I'm actually upset. Not because the um the home pod is not coming, but because. The guy has another X down, yeah. you know, the column of he's, things he's Mike was right about. about. There's this. now another check mark that says he was right. <sighs> so yeah. no one tell God him. Don't tell Mike about the while, while he's uh, is in the sky. Um, the, the, do not tell him. Um, so yeah, uh, I was on Twitter a few days ago, and uh, <laughs> Stephen helped me out here. John Pachowski, how how do you say this? Uh, <laughs> well, you're the guy to to, to, that, to pronounce no, names. I'm terrible at this. <laughs> um, so anyway, um, a statement from Apple that was then sent to other sites 
that they cannot wait for customers to get their hands, to get their ears, I don't know, uh, on, on, around the HomePod, but uh, it's not coming this year. Uh, it's coming early 2018. We don't know why. So there's been a lot of speculation here about what's going on. Is it Siri? Is it not Siri? Uh, is it about AirPlay? Is it about the hardware? Uh, there's people that tend to believe it's not. It's the software. Other people I've talked to, um, not people that work at Apple, but people that wouldn't know, that tell me... Um, it's it, it is not Siri. It is not uh, it is not the, the the Siri integration stuff, and it is not the hardware. So uh, a bunch of people are speculating that it could be about AirPlay, and I tend to believe the theory because we AirPlay two was um, advertised as one of the features coming with iOS eleven. I was told by Apple that by the release of iOS 11, we were also going to see AirPlay two speakers by third party companies. Mm-hmm. Now. I'm not sure I've seen any so far, and it's almost December, it's late November, we haven't seen any AirPlay 2 hardware, there's no AirPlay 2 uh, feature on iOS 11, there were some signs of AirPlay 2 integration in the beta of iOS 11.2, which was then removed by the following beta, and now we have this HomePod delay, so I would say that uh, speculating that AirPlay 2 could be the reason why the HomePod has been delayed uh, would be a pretty good guess. Uh, you know, with uh, uh, obviously Apple wants to get this right. You know, with the multi-room playback stuff and the there's a lot of things going on with AirPlay 2. It requires first of all developers to adopt a specific API, a specific audio controller that for example if you want to use AirPlay 2 you got to show the same UI uh, that, that Apple uses. Uh, there's uh, considerations when it comes to playback and buffering because to enable the multi-room support you know you can have podcasts playing in the living room and also in the kitchen and also in the bedroom uh, I don't know why you want to have so much podcast going on but it's possible with AirPlay 2 <laughs> and then that means you got to offer for um, buffering of audio of multiple minutes instead of 10 seconds. So there's that kind of consideration. And there's also the fact that uh, developers need to differentiate between what is... um, System audio, what is long-form audio? There's this idea in iOS 11. I think we talked about this before of am I a podcast, am I an audiobook, or am I a music player? And if you're falling to that type of apps, you you need to... say so to AirPlay 2, to the API. So there's a lot of things going on. And, uh, you know, this is Apple's big debut, in I would say big comeback into the speaker game. So being able to get it right, especially with the competition hitting up, you know, Amazon, Google, and Sonos, um, and, and figuring out the, the, you know, the API with developers and with third-party manufacturers and the integration with HomeKit and Siri... Uh, I I buy the theory honestly. Yeah, it's I I agree with you. You know, when this the news first broke, it's always interesting to like try to think about what it may be. And I think AirPlay Two is definitely at at the heart of it. Um, there was a story today on uh, on Bloomberg by German talking about the the background of the HomePod and the the work that has gone into it this far. I don't know if there's anything in here particularly surprising uh he does talk about the project was canceled and revived several times apparently and that there was all sorts of weird form factors they've experimented with which shouldn't be surprising right new hardware 
uh, something new. They're going to hmm. uh, to always uh, have uh, ideas that don't see the light of day. I thought I thought that part was funny when he was uh, when he was listing all the uh, shapes and sizes that yeah. uh, that the HomePod could have could have been because I sort of pictured oh and it could have been a rectangle and it could have been a <laughs> cylinder and it could have been three foot tall or it could have been Johnny Ive <laughs> standing yeah. outside your window with a boombox. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> <okay>. One was like. <laughs> <laughs> Almost three feet tall at some point, which seems uh, bananas. You know, the um, there's been some hand-wringing. Like, does this mean that Apple has missed the holiday buying season? I think the truth is, if they were going to ship in December, then they already missed it. Like, we are in the holiday buying season now, and they're not here. Uh, they weren't going to be here. You know, they announced it in June and, and said then that it would be December. And uh, so they have, I don't know how much they've really lost in the holiday season, because I'm not sure what they really had to begin with, but it is a, a big se- buying season. Sonos has new stuff we talked about earlier. Uh, there are new Echoes. There's new Google Home stuff. Uh, all of these other speakers are out and have been refreshed, and Apple is going to show up in whenever it is, January or February or March, whenever it is. Uh, with their product that may not do as much will be more expensive and will be now considered late. So it's not a, a huge start to the, to the home pod. Hmm. Um, and I gotta say, like, I'm not, I'm not super sad about this. Like I, like I said on the show last week, like I'm, I'm, I'm really only interested in it as a topic because Apple makes it and I'm not really looking to replace my echoes in the house and I'm not looking to, to add them. I don't think just so I could have, you know, Apple music by voice. And I just haven't seen a lot of people upset that they can't buy one next month. You know, I, I I just, I just wonder if, if that is a, is something worth paying attention to. Well, uh, yeah, Uh, I feel like the, the limited integration, like a lot of people were expecting Apple to make uh, its own echo and to launch this big platform with all kinds of integrations. And now you can do a lot of things that you can do on the iPhone. You can do them all just with the HomePod. But the fact that, um, you know, the, the, there was not basically um, not not a huge focus on, on third-party skills at WWDC. And then uh, when they detailed the way that SiriKit works, that the HomePod is basically an extension of the iPhone, that yeah. also sort of, <laughs> whatever excitement was left was kind of you know was kind of dampened by by that news it's like oh, really is it like another <laughs> watch kit situation so the the enthusiasts are you know the there, there's two types of enthusiasts here uh there's the apple enthusiast uh you know the person who's really into the apple ecosystem they're gonna get the home pod anyways so uh you know the if apple is taking more time then you know it means they're making it better uh just like with the airpods so the airpods were pretty great in the end so the the home pod will also be pretty great but there's also the audio enthusiast um you know uh the folks who like to complain to mark Arment on twitter uh th- those people uh, will they get the home pod or are they getting the, the uh, sonos for this holiday season um are those people ever happy Th- these are questions that that i wonder when i think about audio enthusiasts um i don't know what what's your what's your take steven um the, uh, 
does it make sense to you that there's a this separation between it's a high-end speaker so it appeals to folks who are really into high-end audio but there's also the it appeals to apple users so how how do you separate those two as a as a product i think it's a really interesting question and i think price is a big factor there too right you can go buy an echo dot for like eight dollars or not you know 50 bucks or something and the HomePod is going to be for people who have the money to spend who are in the apple ecosystem who may actively not want amazon or google in their homes in this way and use Apple Music. Like it is a, a smaller, it's a more narrow uh, number of consumers than something that is broader, like Alexa, um, like the Echo or Google Home. But at the same time, like it is, none of this is a big market, right? Like we're, we're talking about a very limited number of people who even know these things exist or care about them. And that could change with Apple. If Apple's making one, all of a sudden people may pay attention. As opposed to just the weird thing Amazon did, um, so yeah, I don't, I don't know how they answer that. I don't know how Apple approaches this market uh, in their in their way, and it and it resonate with people. I just, I don't know. Anyways, I guess we'll see when it comes out how it does. Right? Uh, I assume they're going to lump that in with like the Apple Watch and other stuff, like the 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 part of the quarterly results that they don't really tell you how many they sold. But yeah, we'll I guess, well, I guess. I guess we'll see what happens. I, I think I'm gonna, if I can, I'm gonna get one either via Mike or via John, uh, if they can get me one from the UK or from the US. Um, I hope that um, it's not uh, region locked. <laughs> I hope it's like the Amazon Echo that uh, you know the Amazon Echo still thinks I live in Seattle, and uh, you know because I, <laughs> I don't know some dumb limitation for region locking. Um, it gives me the traffic for Seattle, which I know a lot about Seattle traffic now, um, <laughs> uh, and also Seattle weather because my zip code is from Seattle for some reason. Um, but yeah, I hope that I can just buy one and maybe I will not be able to ask uh, what's the <laughs> traffic in Rome. I mean, it doesn't answer that question anyway, Siri, so that should be no problem. I will just get a wall plug adapter and that's it. So we'll see, we'll see. There you go. The The other product announced at WBDC and promised for the end of this year was the iMac Pro. And it has not been announced. It's, there's not a date yet. Uh, but it's in the news. Um, Wait, was it supposed to, be, to to come out this year? Like Yeah, it said I, December. Oh. oh, okay. So this has yeah. not been delayed officially. No, not yet. No, it, okay. th- there's been no news not about yet. the date. Not yet. <laughs> not yet. I don't think it will. I think they'll make it. I think it'll be December 30th like the Mac Pro was in 2013, right. but I think they'll make it. Uh, but uh, our friend Stephen Trout-Smith and others have been digging around and... Early, there was a, a post that the there was going to be an ARM chip in the iMac Pro, and there was a lot of speculation that it would run Touch ID, although, but then it, it, it was realized there's no Touch ID um, sensor in the keyboard for this thing. And so a lot of people, including myself, said, oh, it must be Face ID. Turns out, not Face ID either. So there's going to be, according to all this stuff, an A10 uh CPU in the iMac Pro, and it's going to do a couple things. So it's going to potentially power a Hoi telephone, so you can talk to Siri, and it's always listening. 
Uh, I have questions why that can be done when you have a Xeon under the hood, but uh, it's, apparently it's built to run on the A series of chips. You got an A10, so you can do that. It is uh, potentially going to take care of some security stuff. So there is an, a whole OS in here um, called Bridge OS. It's also in the Touch Bar MacBook Pros. And Bridge OS can do a bunch of stuff. One thing it can do is like boot protection. So it can ensure that Mac OS like hasn't been tinkered with. And then basically, basically you start up the, the A10 chip and then it starts up Mac OS, which is crazy. Um, and it basically becomes like a little co-processor, co-processor mm. mm. in the iMac Pro. Uh, this all seems bananas, right? Like you got a whole A10 in there just for a whole telephone. That seems like overkill. It does. Uh, I I saw some tweets about this that uh, that maybe the A10 uh, could get access to more features than expected. Like maybe I don't know, maybe the iSet camera, maybe the maybe uh, you know uh, I don't know Apple Pay could be an idea, uh, or you know biometric security for sure. Like, uh, and if we follow that thinking that maybe the A10 is not just for Siri, but is actually using the iOS security model and um, really the OS for more than just the assistant, then what's which one is really the coprocessor? Is it just the... <laughs> Yeah. Is it is it the Intel chip that is just basically acting as a dumb pipe to run macOS, or is it the A10? So I guess it it depends on, like, is if the A10 is managing the booting sequence, is taking care of security, is taking care of Apple Pay, is taking care of Siri, and then it's also saying, hey, by the way, Intel chip, come over here and run macOS for me. Uh, which one is the copilot here? Yeah, uh, yeah. It, it'll be interesting. <laughs> Yeah, it is, and uh, and on the, the the Touch Bar MacBook Pros, the iSight camera is already protected by this, and so Mac OS could be like completely owned by, let's just say hypothetically Russian Twitter bots. Uh, it still has to go through Bridge OS and this this custom chip to to turn on the camera to control it. So there's already stuff in here. Um, I am more than fine with this if it means that the Mac is more secure. I think there will be some users who are doing like weird kernel extension stuff. You know, some of that may get more difficult. Um, it probably means eventually the death of Hackintoshing, right? Unless you just like just crack open an yeah. iPhone 7 and put the guts in. Uh, don't do that. Mm. Um, <laughs> but it does mean no Face ID. So Face ID on the iPhone 10 requires the A11 chip. And that chipset in the iPhone 10 as we all know can only store and learn and support one face. So if my wife wants to unlock my phone, she has to use the the pin code. And it's annoying or on your, the phone. Your or your face. Or you know. I mean or just take you know take my face <laughs> over to the phone, but <laughs> barring that. <laughs> and th- that's annoying on the phone, but yeah. I think on a Mac and I I think it's more important to have multi-user support. And they already have that with Touch ID. You have multi-user support. Uh, if you're on the login screen, you can just put your thumb down and it logs into the correct user. So maybe they're waiting until the A12 or something that can support potentially more faces to to move this to the Mac. Um, 
I think it's also interesting that there's no touch bar in this keyboard. We've talked about this a lot. Like, until further notice, I just think the touch bar is like a dead end. Um, so it's just a very interesting product for a bunch of reasons. It's super expensive. It's very powerful. It may usher in this new era of like Mac hardware, like infused with smart stuff from iOS and iPhones. Uh, so I'm, I'm still very excited about this. Uh, and I'm really curious to see how Apple explains all of this. Uh, once this machine rolls out, which you know has got to be in the next four or five mm-hmm. weeks, negative iOS simulator running on the A10 be inside crazy. the iMac Pro. That'd be nice. <laughs> it's kind of like uh, who was it that um, was it BlackBerry that with the playbook that then they, they oh, figured gosh. out a way to have Android apps running. Yeah, on the, they had like the, the whole like Android like an Android <laughs> virtual machine in there. Yeah. Uh, that would be something. Yeah, I mean, they they could do all sorts of stuff with the A10, right? Like like you said, iOS simu- simulator and Xcode. They could move more stuff to it in the future. Uh, I I think that the possibilities there are endless. There was like this weird thing from Mark Gurman years ago about like um, all the the like power nap stuff. You know, if you're if you're like your MacBook is asleep, uh, you can still like, check mail and do iCloud stuff in the background. Like maybe some of that stuff will be done on this A series chip. You know, who, who knows? You know, and there's lots of engineering in all of this, but it sure seems like the iMac Pro is going to be the first machine to to bring in this new era of more complex hardware, doing more custom things. And Apple has all this in house, so like, why not use? It? Like, it's smart for Apple to to use this stuff. Uh, I'm just very curious to see how it's going to play out yeah. in practice. Yeah, and all all those um, iPhone seven cheap leftovers are mm-hmm. going into your fancy new iMac Pros. You know, no, nothing goes to waste with the iMac Pro. That's right. I mean, it's five grand. <laughs> you got plenty of room to play with. <laughs> you just put everything in there. It's a whole yeah. It's like you like when iFixit has to take apart that hit the glass off, and it's just like the iPhone like plugged in with a lightning cable to the logic board. <laughs> It'll probably be better integrated than that, but you never know. <laughs> Until further notice, that's what it is in my mind. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. I have a confession to make, but I'm going to do so after our last sponsor break. This episode of Connected is brought to you by Simple Contacts. If we, you wear contact lenses like I do sometimes, listen up. Simple Contacts is the easy way to renew your contact lens prescription online. You can complete their online self-guided vision test in less than five minutes. You don't even have to leave the house. No more doctor's offices, no more waiting rooms. Now, this is not a replacement for your periodic full eye health exam, but your vision test will be reviewed by licensed ophthalmologists. Ophthalmologist, Federico, is a word that has a lot mm. of letters in it. I, I, was, uh, I was afraid you were, <laughs> were going to struggle there, buddy. Yeah. I think I pulled it through. <laughs> Yeah, you did. Uh, you can order your favorite contacts that carry lots of brands right from their website or app. Simple Contacts offers all the lens brands you love. The, the brand I like was right there with options for astigmatism, multifocal lenses, colored lenses, and more. You'll be able to order exactly what you need from the palm of your hand whenever you want. The vision test is just $30. And for comparison, an appointment without insurance could cost you over $150. And a reminder, if you have expiring HSA dollars, uh, they can be used for this by the end of the year. Now, Simple Contacts hooked me up. I had the app. Uh, I did the test. So I put my contacts in. Uh, they use uh, your iPhone to do this vision test. I did it actually um, 
we were in Chicago for the release notes trip. I just set my phone up on the nightstand and Federica's dog didn't knock it over, which is great. I uh, did the vision <laughs> test. It was super easy. It was one of those things of like, of course, like, of course the iPhone can do this too, right? This is another new thing the iPhone can do. I had that feeling I had in the early App Store days, honestly, of like, oh, look at this, look at this thing the iPhone can do. And uh, it was very easy. I did it without having to make an appointment or anything. And I knew that I was being double checked by uh, someone who knew what they were doing. So I had confidence that it was doing the right thing. As a listener of this show, you can get $30 off your order of contact lenses. Just go to simplecontacts.com slash connected and enter the code connected at checkout. That's simplecontacts.com slash connected. Use connected for $30 off. Thank you, Simple Contacts, for their support of this show and Relay FM. So this is uh, something that Mike made you do, right? He, he convinced you to do this again. I mean, we can blame him because he's not here. Exactly. <laughs> I, I, saw, I saw the conversation, and it was totally Mike. So we need to back up. We need to back up, Federico, to 2005. Oh, my God. It's before we knew each other. We were young. I was. <laughs> Some of us not as young as others. <laughs> well played. Uh, and t- 2005, I'm in college. I got a job. I got two jobs, I think, at this point. And I needed what the kids call a task management system because I was losing track of homework assignments and things to do for work, etc. So I signed up for a service called Remember the Milk. Oh, my God. It was around back then. <laughs> Remember the Milk was very, a very 2005, mid, you know, mid-aughts web app, right? It ran on anything, still does. It had an exchange, like you could plug it into exchange, all this cool stuff. It worked great for me for a, a long time. I eventually outgrew it and went on to OmniFocus, but the la- for the last, really the better part of the last two years I've been using Todoist, mostly because of seeing what you've been able to do with it with web automation and cross-platform stuff. But there's this one thing in Todoist that really, as the kids say, it grinds my gears. Mm. This one thing is something that, that Todoist fails at, is something that OmniFocus fails at, is something that things... I believe fails at the only app that has done this for me is remember the milk and to do that did, you know, the number two do to do mm-hmm. to do does this as well, but to do's interface, it's like, it's like launching a rocket into space. There's way too many dials and buttons. So I gave up on it. And that is to keep a task sorted by due date. So if I have a task list named connected and I add a new, to-do item to that list, I want the list to stay sorted by due date and Todoist and OmniFocus and everything else as new task at the bottom. Now, you can manually sort those lists, although in Todoist, you cannot do that on iOS. Every time they have a new test flight build, I email them and say, hey, add this button so I can sort manually on iOS, and they never do it. But remember, the milk does. And uh, I have been revisiting my old friend the last couple of weeks. And I got to say, except for the icon, it's pretty good. Pretty good, Federico. Pretty good. So, so the icon is still a cow. The icon is the worst. <laughs> and, and the milk is now turned into 
curds? No, because you because like, you remember it. If you forget oh, it, because you forget it. <laughs> so but you, you remember it. Um, so all jokes aside, um, mm-hmm. they really should change the icon. By the way, anyway. I would I would pay them money on top of the premium, <laughs> which is a, a little bit more a year than Todoist, to change the icon. They have a little like milk carton guy who like runs across the screen when it loads. Put him on the icon. Put, put the guy. Put the guy on the icon. <laughs> put anything on the icon. So, uh, so I think we should do some comparison. Okay. So both Todoist and Remember the Milk offer the following. They're cross-platform. They work on iOS, macOS, the web, Android, Windows, whatever you're on, they're there. They're both free with a premium feature, you know, premium service that adds more features. They both offer natural language processing. Remember, Milk was actually the first, as far as I know. And so you can type in, you know, call Federico today, 2 p.m. And it makes a task for 2 p.m. today to call Federico. Um, you can tell it what list to go on. You can do repeating stuff. All natural language. It's a little bit different than the way Todoist does it, but as, as soon as you learn it, it's just as fast as uh, Todoist. They both have sharing and task delegation. I don't use this, but if I did, I could send tasks to other people and they could send tasks to me. They both offer SiriKit support on iOS. So you can you can just tell your phone to add something. And the nice thing is RTM, which is what they use, is way easier to pronounce than Todoist. And Siri can actually hear it and listen to it and like understand. And I struggled endlessly to get Siri to, to add things to Todoist and not just like freak out. Uh, they both offer Apple Watch apps that are pretty good. They both offer iOS widgets, although it does lack a Mac widget. Uh, they offer smart lists, and I would argue that remember the milk smart lists are actually more powerful than Todoist's. They both offer API access, and what I didn't know until recently is that you can use web automation. So if this and that, Zapier or just straight up email to automate remember the milk. So all of my automations from Zapier that used to go into Todoist work just fine with remember the milk. So it is. Basically, I would say it's on par with something like Todoist as far as the features it offers. Um, Todoist has a good icon. Well, Todoist has an okay icon. <laughs> Remember, the milks is really bad, but they're very similar. And I was honestly surprised that a, a product that's been around for as long as Remember, the milk has been, that they have been able to stay mm. um, stay up to date. They had a big redesign a couple years ago, and they've been iterating on it and they i think they are as i think they are competitive now i think you just look at their twitter followers and you know that it's a much smaller platform than todoist but it, it has offered everything that i was using in todoist and a little bit more so why do you think it hasn't been able to reach the number of people that todoist is now of course reaching because it seems to me like they were doing a lot of the things that Todoist is well known now way before Todoist. So what went wrong here? Is it really the name or is it the icon? Because I'm honestly not sure. I think the branding hasn't helped them. Mm. You know, I think if it looked more modern and like so, the UI on iOS is, is actually pretty decent. The web and Mac app, like it's a little weird in places. Um, but to do this is like a garbage Mac app. So like none of them are awesome except for OmniFocus. Uh, so I think the branding is one of them. I think too, like, I think it's true of any product. Like people may remember it from like 2005 or whenever, because it was the only game in town and they may not realize how much it's evolved. And they, I think it's easy when you leave a product behind 
or an app behind, you remember it the way that it was when you left and you don't keep up with it anymore, right? So you may not realize that this app was kind of bad when I left it four years ago or whenever, but actually it's really good. Uh, or at least it's as good as, as something else because they've been updating it because we just remember things the way they were and then we lose track. So I think I think those are the two big things. And two, like I think, I think Todoist just has... Um, they have a bigger marketing budget. They they seem they're a bigger company. Uh, RTM is like the company is still really small. It's only like a like a dozen people or something. I think. So I think all that kind of goes into it. You know, th- there are some things that it's missing versus Todoist. So it does not have nested list, which I find really annoying. And I've actually been talking with them about this and explaining like building my case. So in Todoist, I could have a pro- a project called podcasts, and then I could have sub projects or sub lists like. Connected, liftoff, ungenius, query, download. Uh, you can't do that in RTM. There's no, there's no depth to the list. So they're all, they're all just like one level deep, which I find a little frustrating because I've had to like combine some things and have some lists that I wouldn't have otherwise. But I can, I've adjusted that a little bit. Um, there's also no karma or like reward system in RTM. So in Todoist, you have points, right, and uh, the more things you check off and you have like we- daily and weekly goals. And if you hit those goals, you can build a streak and you can get points. And like all that is 100% stupid, but I kind of miss it. Like I kind of miss that I had like a year and a half streak uh, of untodoist of hitting my goal every day. And um, RTM just doesn't have any of that. Um, I think one thing it, it does have in its favor, and I, I didn't have this in my notes, but so I'm, I'm going to try to explain it. So say that you have a task that's due every day, Federico. So every day you have a task that says, um, I don't know, like uh, replace iPhone 10, right? Because you break it every day. Mm-hmm. If you miss today's instance of that to-do item and you leave it unchecked, so you left it undone, and then tomorrow on Wednesday you complete it, what Todoist and what every app I've ever seen does is it skips Wednesday's instance of that, and the next time it's due is Thursday. So this is something you have to do every day. If you have to do it seven mm, times a week yeah. and you miss a day, you only get six to-do items. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. I, I know what you're talking about, yeah. I find that annoying because I have two tasks that I do every day, and uh, they need to be done seven times a week. And occasionally I'll miss it because it'll be after midnight before I get it done or something. But I need to make sure I have it done every day. Uh, remember, the milk d- handles this properly and creates an instance for every day that I've missed. So if I missed it for two days in a row, you know, and I do it the first time, it'll move it to one day behind. And then I'll do it and move it to today. Um, that's a really small thing, but something that I run into because, like I said, I have two tasks that I have to do every day. Um, so, so, yeah. So, like, I... I've kind of moved back to this and it there's, you know, some frustration with some of the organizational stuff, but it syncs in the background just as good, if not better than Todoist. I have on my web automation. It sorts lists the way that I want because I really like having lists sorted automatically by due date. It's just the, I just, for some reason, that's really the way that I think I want to look in my, you know, in my five, 12 pixels list and know what is due in the next week or look at my Relay FM administrative task list and know what's due in the next week. And if it's not sorted by due date, I don't have a way to do that easily. And I have found that to be frustrating and to doist for so long. And it's nice to have something that can keep them that way. Um, 
if Todoist were to add that add that feature, right? If I could say always sort this by due date, I'd probably be back in Todoist. Really, uh, I think really for the um, the list, uh, you know, I could have multiple lists under a project. But um, so yeah, so you guys can make fun of the icon, but you know, I'm getting mm. stuff done, and that's the point of this, right? Yeah, Just stuff done. I mean, um, you know, going beside the you know, beyond the icon and the name and sort of the aesthetic that that's not really the point here is uh they got a bunch of integrations that seem to be working really well and it's you know cross-platform stuff when you have a lot of stuff going on when you're using you know uh, sub lists and sub tasks um i i took uh remember the milk for a spin just to just to see what it was like i mm-hmm. i'm not a big fan of the ios client uh it seems to me like it's slightly uh behind to do it especially when it comes maybe to a little to the native integrations like the extension is not as nice uh i couldn't yeah. find drag and drop support on, on ios 11 for ipad um but the web app seems to be seems to be solid it looks much much better than i remembered and um they they really should change the name and the logo and everything about the branding but it's uh, you know maybe it, you're destined to you you were destined to to use uh, a cow steven i guess uh, so hey i got start it, i got start dates again you don't have that to doist uh, you, i don't i don't uh, use start dates a really bigger topic here I'm <laughs> using using things now but we can talk about it in the future <laughs> so you're using things okay so next week maybe next week we'll talk about you using things no no yes no 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 you heard no, it here first don't, next week just don't make me do this no no i'm not i'm not don't come back to the show for that it's not gonna happen <laughs> <laughs> soon we talk about it soon 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 okay yes okay because I think, I mean, sort of silliness aside, I think that sometimes, like people sort of get like a emotional about their to do systems, right? Like I know I used, I use OmniFocus for like five or six years, and I was like, everything else stinks. And what I've come to realize, and part of this is in defense of my move because the the branding stuff just isn't that good. Like I do think it's um it's most important that whatever system you use serves you and, and in getting stuff done, and if you take tasks down in a um, paper document, you know, paper notebook, or you have a bunch of sticky notes or you use an app, it doesn't really matter as long as you get your work done. And uh, I think that if you can find the app that, that works the way you do the best, then that's the one for you. And if someone else doesn't like it, then, you know, that's their problem. Yeah. The thing about recommending task managers and recommending email clients is that one day highly depends on just what your life is like at the moment. There have been moments in my life when I wanted to have the super complex tax manager. There are other moments when I really wanted to collaboration. And there may be moments when I want something simpler that doesn't make me yeah. stress over my, you know, yeah. uh, due tasks and stuff like that. Mm. Um, and also the, the other problem is that a lot of people feel about task managers and recommendations about task managers or email clients. Uh, like they will feel about uh, relative. Uh, it's like uh, you stop recommending OmniFocus to me. It's like uh, I haven't killed your uncle. It's like uh, <laughs> I'm using a different task manager, man. It's fine. Um, and so uh, there's a, you know, t- writing about and talking about, especially task managers, there's a, at one point there's like diminishing returns. Uh, a lot of people, um, they, they, on one 
hand they want to hear more but on the other uh, every time you talk about something new uh, they're like oh so you're not using that anymore so like it's like there's uh, i think there's it's it's great that we can i'm trying to approach this from a from a sort of high concept uh it's great that we can try multiple task managers i i think cgp gray made this point a long time ago on cortex um there's i always want to try new task managers because i never feel like there's the the perfect one for me exi- yeah. exists at the moment um and um i i think it's awesome that on the app store and on the web these days and on the smart speakers <laughs> we have we have multiple choices and so if remember the milk works well for you um or to do this works well for mike or for me or things works well for me uh, you know it's uh I think it's great, and I think maybe you know there's a uh, there's a, a lot of a lot of people. They um, of course there's an investment, uh, both uh, time wise and money wise into sure. uh, into trying these task managers, but on the other hand, um, you know a, a task manager that works well for you um, can really restore a lot of sanity into your into your life. So. Uh, I don't think there's anything wrong about experimenting, trying multiple things, switching, uh, because you know it's it's not like we are um, carrying. Uh, what do they call that? The football, you know, the, the case with the, the president has the, with the, the nuclear the, football. Like yeah, the, yeah, yeah. It's not like we 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 have those kinds of responsibilities. I mean, we're reminding ourselves to post about podcasts and uh, you know. Right. Uh, edit blog posts about Twitter clients. Not to say that we do stupid stuff, but we can switch task managers and the world is yeah. not going to explode. <laughs> That's yeah, what I mean, I'm it, saying. It took me, you know, 45 minutes to move my task into it. Like, it's not, yeah. it's not crazy. Yeah. And we can so, all agree... Anything's better than reminders, right? Like we just—that's the, um, the yes. Threshold. Uh, um, I uh, yes, yes. Um, so yeah, this is all just just a, just a mini side extra uh, topic uh, about the uh, the pressure of talking about task managers in public. That also applies to email clients, but even more so to task managers. So, so you were you were very brave today, Stephen. Thank you uh, to talk about your choice of remember the milk, and I and I applaud your decision to to be uh, extremely forward in your recommendation. Yeah, well, I appreciate that. If you want to find the show notes this week, topics, links we've talked about, relay.fm slash connected slash one. Six nine man, getting up there. You mm. can get in touch with us there. You can send us an email. You can send us some tweets. Uh, Mike, if he's around, you can find him on Twitter. I M Y K E. Federico, though, he writes MacStories.net, a website that you should read every single day. And you can find him on Twitter, V I T I C C I. Uh, you can find me at 512pixels.net and on Twitter is ISMH. And all three of us host a bunch of shows here on Relay. So if you haven't uh, checked out some of those shows on the network, uh, go do that. There's lots of good stuff to listen to. I'd like to thank our sponsors this week one last time, Text Expander, Timing, and Simple Contacts. And until next week, Federico, say goodbye. Arrivederci. Adios.